Okay, the technical difficulties. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my great pleasure to introduce the director of uh, this fine piece of work, Diego Adana Asif Kapadia, and our host for this evening, Sir Ross Whitaker. We'll just mark ourselves up then. Yes. I presume you've done this before. People that do this. Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay. Hello. It's nice so, uh, to see so many of you here. It's great. It's well, exciting. It was, it was sold out days in advance, so uh, obviously Amazing. people here are very keen to see it. There's actually, I'm sure, tons of... Asif Kapadia fans, Diego Maradona fans. I know there's a lot of filmmakers here today as well, so it uh, should be interesting q and I'll start off by asking a few questions, and then we'll try and get it out to the floor, because I'm sure there's plenty of questions. So um, I suppose the, the, you start at the beginning, right? So you know, you've know, you done Senna and Amy. Was this a natural progression, or was it something that was in your mind for a long time? I mean, um, I, I am a big football fan. So I was obviously aware of Diego Maradona and grew up kind of watching him. But I only really knew about him during the World Cups, I guess, because I didn't know what happened in between. It wasn't really on TV. Um, when I was a student, like in the late like 1990s, I read a book about Maradona's life. And I remember just like it was where he was from, his background, and some of the kind of crazy situations he got himself into. So I, there was a moment then when I was just making short films still, when I thought, God, would it be great one day to make a film about Diego Maradona? Um, so there was this like, tiny little germ of an idea back in 1998, 1999. Um, then I did make Senna, which, you know, my is in drama and fiction films. And so Senna was like an unusual turn for me to take. Um, and I got offered by a producer, um, Diego Maradona project again as an idea and having just made a film about a kind of a Brazilian sporting hero I didn't think it, I wasn't ready to do the Argentinian sporting hero straight afterwards so it kind of went away again so it's come and gone many times over the years I did a few other things I did Amy then it felt actually having made two films about two kind of wonderful brilliant people who died young maybe it felt right to do a film about him now because it's about what happens when you get old what happens when you have to deal with some of the issues or not deal with the issues that and the mistakes you've made um, and you lose your gift, and it just felt like it was different. And it seems there was a, a ton of footage there, and I think I read that there was someone that had followed him during the Napoli years, and, so you, and you knew that was there, or did you? I, so, so that producer contacted me and said, Look, there's this material about Diego Maradona that someone's filmed. We didn't really understand what it was or where it came from, but what, what transpired is that he, his, Diego, Mar <coughs> excuse me, Diego Maradona's first agent, who kind of discovered him when he was a kid, um, had this idea of making a movie about Maradona. And this is back in 1981, just as he was at Boca Juniors in Argentina, and he was about to go to Barcelona. So he thought, you know, he's a massive star, let's make a movie. So he hired two Argentinian cameramen to kind of follow him around, on the pitch, off the pitch. And they went to Barcelona, and it was a bit of a disaster. It was like two years of everything going wrong. His leg got broken, and, you know, he didn't really do anything. So then he got sold to Naples, and they followed him to Naples. So they were going on for a few years, but then classically, in any kind of one that's around Diego Maradona, at some point, he's going to fire you. Uh, so they got kicked out. Uh, his new agent came along and said, we don't want to get rid of him. Probably didn't pay them. So they went off with the tapes, and these tapes somehow were being kept in, in the back room somewhere in Naples. And we found that later on, the other half were being kept by Diego Maradona's ex-wife in a trunk somewhere in Buenos Aires. 
And so my brilliant team of researchers found out about this and went through all the tapes and logged them and, you know, somehow brought them to me when I saw them. And my instinct is always like, it's not enough, it's still not good enough, it's not a movie. So then we have to kind of push and push and push and start talking to people. So th there is this private footage that was shot on Diego as well as all the other sources and archives that are out there that we've kind of put together to make the film. Yeah, it's funny because I'd read that story and then when I was watching it, I was finding it very difficult to decipher which was which, you know, and it, it, just, it, you just managed to bring it together in such a way that it just flows. That's good. I mean, the, the, the thing is, I said, and unusual is some of the football stuff is this private footage because in those days, like, it wasn't so strict who could film. So all the close-up stuff on the side of the pitch or behind the goal where you see him playing and it's just him in the frame, that's his private cameraman who were like, it's Diego Maradona's mates. They can go anywhere with a camera. So they're the people who follow him as we're driving to the stadium. They're the people there when he's like walking out in that kind of gladiator shot. Um, and a lot of the football, the, and some of it's his ex-wife's footage of the kids and things like that. I couldn't believe like the pain-killing injections. Yeah. That someone had filmed that. I mean, yeah, that, that, all of this stuff, you know, it's all kind of forms of drugs, isn't it? It's all stuff to numb the pain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's like home movies. Someone was filming that in home movies. How long does it take, I mean, and all your projects, you've managed to bring together all of this footage to, to make this, these films that just sit together and, and bring you along. How long does that process take? What is the process? Um, Senna was five years to make that film uh, because oh, we were figuring it out as we were going yeah. along. But were you accumulating archive throughout that? Yeah, I did everything at the same time. I, and it's, it's kind of developed into like, not knowing what I'm doing even more, I would say. <laughs> Uh, and, and having the confidence to tell everyone. I don't know, um, but I've got a character and just leave me alone for a couple of years and we'll come back with a movie. So Amy was the first film that I've made where there was never a piece of paper. There was no pitch, there was no treatment, there was no document, there was never any, I'm going to make this film and it's going to be about this, this and this. It was like, we're making a film at Amy Winehouse. If you can get the music and the publishing and let me, let me speak to anyone I want to speak to and give us a couple of years, then I'll do it. Because I'd made Senna by then. Yeah. Okay? So Senna was the one where I came in and I was a hired director. And, and that was the interesting one, I guess, because... Who, who here has seen Senna? Who hasn't? So Senna was interesting, okay, because of the style of it being entirely made out of archive. You know, this idea of telling the story like it's a feature film. That was the idea. We just stay in the present. Now, if you knew... People, before they saw the film, if they knew anything, it's like this guy who was a racing driver and he died. And that's kind of what they knew, if you, if you were not a hardcore fan. So the idea was saying, well, what if we try to forget that second bit, right? What if we just say he's a racing driver and how did he live? That became the idea of the film. And um, the producers had originally set it up in a more conventional sense, which was 40 minutes of archive footage, 40 minutes of interviews, talking heads, and miscellaneous 10 minutes. And when I started looking at the footage, my main kind of task as a director was to say, I think there's, there's some amazing material out there. And because of the nature of Formula One, everyone films everything because it's all about advertising, it's all about sponsorship. I think there's a way of doing it without any interviews. And everyone thought it was crazy. And just that argument about doing it without interviews or with interviews was like a two-year-long argument to get people to buy into it. And the way I would do it was just we kept screening the film. And we showed really long cuts. It was a five-hour cut, four-hour cut, three-hour cut. And we'd show it to people, like friends and people within the industry. We'd have private screenings. And 
even though everyone was like, it's way too long, you know, you have to bring a packed lunch and everything, but <laughs> it moved people right from the beginning. Even when it was not finished, it moved people and it was something there and that kind of instinct. So Senna was the first one where we were working out the style. When it came to Amy, because I'd made Senna, I was able to go to like the people who own the kind of estate, which was uh, the record label, her second manager, who's seen Amy, by the way, here. Okay, these, these are the characters, like the, the label, the second manager, and her father. That's who I had the first meeting with. And they were asking me to make the film. So I said, okay, I've just made this film Senna, which they all liked. Um, I will make this film if you, like I said, give me the music, give me the publishing, leave me alone for two years, don't tell me who I can and cannot speak to. And also, we all know, my producer and I were saying, you know, we all know how she died. She died of addiction. We're going to have to deal with that issue. If you're not happy with that, then you should get someone else to do it. And they were like, no, 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 we want you to do it. So it's like, okay, fine. So that's what we did. And then when word would get back to them occasionally about who I was speaking to, they'd be like, you can't talk to that person. I'm like, no, that's the deal. You have to leave us alone. And, and that's how we made it. So weirdly enough, I was kind of making it about them. But, you know, I kind of by then had the freedom to kind of make it how I wanted to do, knowing that at some point I'm going to have to show it to them and there's going to be a row, and, it, and every film, before the film's completed, I show it to the key contributors privately, and we sit down and we say, this is what the film is, and we, if, they, if they have a problem, I'd rather know before I finish the film. With then Diego, I presume he watched Senna and Amy, and that helped you to get the, you kind of had the access, but to convince him yeah. to completely get on board? He liked, he's a big fan of Senna, the man, and he... Um, he had seen the film and really liked it, so that helped. And as the producers were doing their kind of contract, Amy was kind of going on this crazy awards run and, and it won an Oscar. So he's like, on his Facebook page, has a picture of me saying, this guy's won an Oscar, his next one's about me. And they, I don't think they'd done the deal at that point, so it was a good sign. That's a good sign. Um, they, but it's never easy. It then took a long time just for me to meet with him. Um, and, and to kind of answer your earlier question, what, what we do is we do a lot of research and with Diego Maradona, it was three years to make the film. One year is just research, archive researchers going out, going to Naples, reading all of the books, meeting people, making a list of who the key contributors might be. Um, then I come on board and I start doing a rough edit with an, like an assistant editor just to start putting it together in some sort of order, chronological order. The, the material when it comes in is not dated. You're looking at someone, you just have to... What I end up doing for all of these films is I spend years just studying their face and their eyes going... What period is that from? Is that 84? Is that 85? You know, what's his hair length like? How happy does he look? You know, there's a point where you can just see he doesn't look very happy. Something's up. He's got chubbier. That's probably 87, 88, 89, something like that. And so what's interesting is your, it's detective work. While that's going on, I start interviewing people. And, and generally, I just do audio interviews. On Senna, I did interview Alan Prost on camera, and I did a few others. But very quickly, I just felt the kind of way that I like to work um, and the kind of length of time I want to talk. I don't want any distractions. I don't want the tape running out or someone saying, can we fiddle with a light or can we do that? I'm like, I don't need any of this stuff. I just want you to talk and I want you to forget that we're doing this, forget the process. And with Amy specifically, it was very emotional. People were talking for the first time about her. On that film, we would sit in the dark. I, I had a sound studio and we had a microphone. It was just the two of us and I turned the lights off and we would just chat and whatever they wanted to talk about. And it became like therapy sessions. And everyone would start crying and then they'd open up. And it's only really if they felt they could trust me and open up that they would want to give me any personal footage. With this film, it was a bit of the interviews, the research, and then my editor normally starts like a year into the process. 
it's quite expensive, so you don't want to start right at the beginning, you don't know what the film is, yeah? So you bring him in when you've got a film almost, you've got an idea of a film, and then he starts cutting. And then his name's brilliant, Chris King, he edits on one side, and I have my own avid, and I'm always thinking ahead. What's next? What are we missing? How do, how do I kind of go and find some more? I'll go off to Buenos Aires. Diego was, so we're in London, uh, Diego Maradona was living in Dubai. The story takes place in Naples, and all of the key contributors were living in Buenos Aires. And they all speak Spanish, and he speaks, you know, the, the films, the rest of the films in Italian. I don't speak either of them. It was a pretty complicated situation. Yeah. And, and it was, like, not cheap to kind of do anything. So you have to save up the trip for, like, eight months before you can actually go somewhere and meet everyone in, like, one week where you've got to meet everyone, one interview on after. We were doing interviews with Fernando Signorini, the trainer. He was in Mexico. A lot of our interviews were, like, 1 or 2 a.m., that's when we'd start because Mexico was a bit behind Buenos Aires. So we'd go to a studio and we'd be there at 2 o'clock in the morning and work till like 4 a.m. Whatever it is, whatever it takes to get people, you kind of do it. And with Diego being alive, um, did it make you think about your process a lot in relation to the previous two films? I mean, it maybe it complicates it in a way, but it also gives you an opportunity because it was kind of great to hear him talk about himself. Yeah. But then he's, you know, obviously a born liar as well. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. football's a game of deceit. Yeah, life is. Yeah, I mean, it was that was the challenge for doing it a third time. Is it's got to be different. And so he's alive. He's lived this long life. I've got access to him. Um, I don't know before I meet him what he's like now. I don't know what state he's in. I've heard all these stories about he's in a really bad way. You know, he's died about three times, and then he's got a TV show the week after. You know, <laughs> you just can't tell with Maradona what's yeah. going on. So until you physically meet him, you don't know if he, re- I don't know if he remembers anything. Um, but that, that was the challenge, that was the fun, and we did meet, and the first meeting was the classic one that, if anyone's ever seen anything made about Diego Maradona before, it all becomes about the challenge of meeting Diego Maradona, which is generally, no, not today, come back tomorrow. Um, and that happened for a week, where we went to Dubai because we were told he's going to be free, and we went there, and every day it was like, not today, come back tomorrow, not today, come back tomorrow. On the fifth day, I'm like, I'm going home. I've got kids and stuff. I'm out. Um, can I just say hello? And I got five minutes with him. We came down the stairs, shook my hand. It's like, you know, we're going to make a great film next time. And then went back upstairs. And I was like, okay. So maybe it's a bit more like, I thought, you know, this is going to be like Senna and Amy. I actually have him, but I don't have him. Mm. Um, the next time I went back was like eight months later. By then we had a rough cut of something, a shape. And then he was a much better form. He was in a better frame of mind. Um, it was just myself and my kind of uh, translator and research art producer. I did a sound recording myself, so I made a team as small as possible. Sat in his living room, started chatting. He was tired. He was like, maybe on medication or something. So it wasn't great, but he got engaged by the process. And I was able to say, what about tomorrow? Let's carry on tomorrow. And the next day, he was great. And so a lot of the stuff you hear was like from interview two, three, and four. His, his attention spans about... 90 minutes, funnily enough. Um, he gets tired, you know. So maybe he's just used to that, okay? Yeah. He gets tired, he gets a bit bored, and then it's like, it's over. It ends quite quickly. I'm used to doing interviews for four or five hours, non-stop. And so, but with him, it wasn't possible. So I tried to go with some of the difficult questions on that first meet, and he was like, no, the easy questions were like, let's talk about Claudia, you know, she's the mother of your children. I don't want to hear about her. Do not ever mention her again. Okay, right, that's one of the easy ones. Uh, well, let's talk about Jorge, you know, the guy who, who, who basically had the idea to start filming. He was your first agent. Do not bring up his name. He stole from me. Okay. 
Then I'm looking at the tough ones. I'm saying, I'm going to save them for another trip. You know? <laughs> let's just talk about you. <laughs> you know, let's talk about your parents. And that was a good way in. Let's talk about growing up. So that kind of hardship stuff, he was happy to talk about that. And then we're like, okay, we got in in. And we started talking. And then that's how he sort of worked. I said, I've got to do some bankers. We've got to talk about the World Cup. We've got to talk about Italian football. We've got to talk about Barcelona. His leg break. A lot of this stuff sadly didn't end up in the film. You know, the opening sequence, that mad drive, the kind of French connection. In an earlier cut, that was 45 minutes. 45 minutes just to get to Naples. And it was half an hour after he left Naples. And we, we kind of had this screening. And people were just like, it's just not, it's not working. It's just too long. It's just too much stuff, too much to take. Um, so Chris King and I had to do this hardcore thing of saying, okay, five minutes of just this mad drive to get, to, because the film always began when we got to Naples. It's a very exciting opening. It does bring fun, straight it? in. Yeah, it brings, <laughs> but, um, you do but even that, you know, the challenge of that footage is all this great material and you've just like, you're going to lose all this stuff because yeah. the hard part of it is the story really is Naples. No matter what we did, it began all over again. And that's where he becomes the best player in the world and that's where all the problems begin. And it was, a, it, it was a tough decision, but actually it was, yeah, those seven years are really his story. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually, it didn't remember how amazing he was, to be honest, for how long, you know, because you all remember 86. Yeah. And, and everything around it kind of falls away. But we better open up to the floor for some questions. I don't know if there's a mic or not. Or do we just... There is, this man has a mic. Oh. Um, how about this guy yeah. over here has a question? And then the next one no. can be down here. And then one over here as well. Okay, that one seems to have disappeared, so let's go over here. Well done, fantastic uh, film. I was just wondering uh, if the film is about Naples, how does Naples feel about Maradona now that's had a chance to reflect? I think, I think Neapolitans love him actually, I have to say. It's like with time, he's, the love for him has kind of grown because he's gone away. They've never won the title again. You know, they've tried, they've come close, but you know, Juve wins every year. Um, and they think, you know, because it's all bent, that's why Juve keep winning. Um, so, so now you have kids who were born who never saw him, never saw him play, but their favourite player in the world is Diego Maradona. There are murals all over. I mean, I have to say, if you ever get a chance, you've got to go to Naples. It's a crazy place, but it's amazing. You know, the food is amazing, the people are amazing. It's just intense. It's just like in-your-face people who are super, super friendly and touchy-feely and grabby. Um, and you, that's now. So you just can't imagine what it would have been like to be him. But no, the, the, the feeling is good. I mean, it's an interesting thing. It's basically Italy turns on him and blames Neapolitans. That's kind of what happened. And you know, the Italian national team, they don't have a national stadium in Italy. They travel around, okay? They go to different... They've never been back to Naples since that game. They don't trust them. They don't like them. They don't trust them. And those songs, those awful songs, they get sung now. They've not gone away. And nobody talks about that in the press. They don't talk about it on TV. So it's going to be interesting when we do get around to showing it in Italy how it goes down. <laughs> I really love Italy. I hope I can go back. So, any other questions? There's another question right here. Just here. Sorry, just very quickly. Just look. The film was fantastic. Thank you. Uplifting, very sad at the same time. Is Maradona still there? You know, the, the Diego one and there's the image. The Mar is, I don't know if it's Diego. Is that spark still there with Maradona? On a good day, yeah, when you, when you meet him and he's, he's engaged, um, he, he's very charismatic. He's a really good storyteller. He's a really, you know, he's got kind of, his eyes are great, his teeth are great, he's got a great smile and you're like, you're, you're just like being around him. When he's in a good frame of mind, 
But when the darkness descends, you don't really want to be around. And I think, you know, when sometimes you, one is trying to talk to him and meet him and he's, you think his entourage has been awkward, you just now, having had a bit of experience with the team, they're probably protecting us from the, the bad side of him when he's in a bad place. You know, but I, 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 I like the guy that I met. I think he's, he's an interesting character because it's like hard to fall in love with. You know, with Amy and with Senna, I really love those people. I spent years looking at them, studying them, never met them, but I kind of fell in love. Maradona's a tricky one. He's a street guy, and he always will be. So he's always like slightly on edge, and you're always slightly on edge around him because you just don't know when he might flip. Um, but he's fascinating. He's got whatever it is that thing charisma is, he has it. Yeah. And you obviously had to show it to him then if you always show it to your contributors. How did he react? This is Diego Maradona. So, uh, like that trip the first time when I tried to go meet with him, trying to show him the film becomes another like crazy caper movie of, okay, so Diego, we've met you now four times in Naples. Can I come to Naples and show you the film? You know, because I thought that I wanted you to sit first. I've shown it to you in your living room. We can stop, we can chat. It's like, okay, great. And then these people go, oh, it's a bit of a thing. He's got a new job in Belarus. Belarus, okay, where's Belarus? Look on the map, it's actually closer than Dubai. Okay, so we'll come to Belarus and go, no, 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 actually, do you know what? He's, we just found out he's, he's in Colombia. Colombia, okay, well, I don't think I can go to Colombia right now. What are you doing after that? He's going to be at the World Cup. Come to Moscow. And we're like, my instincts were, I don't think that's going to be a good idea. As we saw, that was not the time to show him this film. So, so I was like, what are you doing after the World Cup? He said, like, I'll, I'll be on holiday in Argentina. Great. We booked tickets to go to Argentina. We're going to Buenos Aires. I had a few other things to do. The day before I get to Argentina and Buenos Aires, he takes a job in Mexico, in Sinaloa, uh, which is a, I don't know if you know anything about Mexico, but that's like where El Chapo like, runs that territory. That's where he's been since. I've not been there to visit him. So did he see it then? He's not seen he's it. Not seen so it. then I have this crazy idea saying, okay, fine, this is not working. If we can get our film in Cannes, Maybe he'll come to Cannes, it would be great, it'll be a premiere, they'll love him in France, and there'll be like red carpet. And then he kind of injured his shoulder or something, and then and it wasn't going to come, so he didn't come. He hasn't seen it. So a few people, a few journalists in Cannes were like, well, you know, this is like, it's like you've made the official version. How can I make the official version? He's not seen it. He's not even interested in seeing it, I think. You know? yes. He's Maradona. He's like, he's like I, you know, there's a film made about me, I have no interest in seeing it. It's fine. But that may be because he really wants to see it and he's worried about it. Who knows? Mm. So what I have done then is I've shown it to his ex-wife, to his girlfriend, to his children, to Fernando Signorini, to Daniel Arcucci. Everyone else that's in the film, every contributor has seen it. And I'm like, what do you think? And, you know, is there any mistakes, anything right? And they've all said it's tough on him. You know, no one's ever got him to say the things that he says. No one's ever got him to go there. But it's honest. They're like, it's legit. And they, they totally support it. It's great. There was a question over here, yeah. Uh, yeah, brilliant uh, film. Thank you very much. Um, it just it struck me that the uh, last two films that you did uh, are posthumous, whereas this, obviously, Diego's still alive, um, and he's obviously got a lot more story left in him. How does that make you feel as the director when developments will happen in his life and you'll look at it going... Oh, that's the film I could have made. That's the film I could have made. That's the film. It's a good. It's a good question. I mean, you know, that became when I was doing my interviews. That would be one of my questions. We'd be like, "Where does this film end?" Because the guy keeps doing stuff, and uh, I don't really know. We can't just go on forever. And they would just start laughing. They're like, "We've written books. We press send to our publisher, and he goes and does something tomorrow, and makes it irrelevant." So they were like, "Good luck." 
And I would literally say, where does it end for you? And everyone had a different answer. The darkest answer was from someone who's like a massive fan of his. And his answer was, do you know what? I sometimes just wish after they won the World Cup, as they were flying back, the plane just crashed. <laughs> Bloody hell. So, uh, all right, I don't think we'll do that. Um, so, so, for me, what we've tried to do, what um, the editor, Chris King, and I have tried to do is to focus on his career as a footballer. He's famous because he was a footballer. So we focus on Naples because that's when he became the best footballer in the world, and that's when the problems began. And for me, after he takes that penalty um, against Italy, he carried on playing for a while, but I don't think he ever did anything of massive significance. He never finished a season, he never finished a tournament. Everything would end with him getting done for drugs or doping or you know, quitting or something like that. So that's why we chose the period that we did. And I'm hoping that our kind of ending is somehow implying everything that he does afterwards is the residue of what happened to him in Naples, I guess. That's the idea. He didn't like that answer. He left when I was asking. <laughs> he asked a question. He wants you to make another film. He asked me a question, and as I was answering, he just walked out. <laughs> Is that your mate? He's got class. That's like brilliant. Um, I'll never forget him. <laughs> The, uh, is Please don't make that a habit, all right? Yeah. <laughs> this could be really yeah. bad for my confidence. <laughs> Hi, uh, thanks very much for making that film. It was fantastic. But um, my question is, did you struggle to create your own narrative for this? Because the archive footage is there in front of you. So this is Maradona's story. But did you struggle this time around to construct a narrative? Every single one of them is a mad struggle. I mean, they're all really hard and tough. And we have moments when we're like, this is just a disaster. You know, it's not working and our producers are not happy. Or, or it's not that they're not happy. You have screenings and like no one just says anything. Or they walk out. You know, <laughs> or just leave. So the honest truth is they've all been like that. Every single film I've ever made is a mad struggle. And you just don't know if it's going to work. And then you get to this stage, hopefully, when you start showing it to people, you know, you have kind of reviews and you're like, D does it make sense? You know, I, I didn't know. I, I had a feeling Senna would work at the beginning. No one believed me. You know, it felt like that. Even my wife was saying, just quit. It's like, what are you making a film about racing drivers anyway? You know, who cares? And I was like, I think it could be good. And, you know, it was a real struggle because, like, you just can't explain it. Why, why are you making a film about a guy who goes around around in circles at 200 miles per hour? Who cares? Well, I think it could be really interesting. Um, and Amy, you know, there's a producer in London who, when I said I wanted to make a film about Amy Winehouse, he was like, what do you want to make a film about a junkie for? Who cares about her? That's why, you idiot. You know, so it was a lot of it is struggle. Most of it is struggle. Um, with this film, he's a tricky guy. There are moments where you just say, why are we spending all this time on this guy? He's not very nice sometimes. He does some awful things. Um, but I guess I'm interested in humans and why do they become the way they become? And I'm interested in dark characters or people who are on the edge and understanding them and, and trying to get that across to an audience. And uh, it's, it's not a bloody struggle. What's the point, you know? What's the point of making people, films about nice people? Who cares? <laughs> They can piss off. <laughs> okay, there's a guy just right here at the back with glasses. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask about uh, Chiro Ferrara. Yeah. Um, was he the only player you approached, or how did you end up with him? Good question. Um, uh, we did ask, we did approach a few players, and um, quite a few of them have kind of done other things. 
and they were like, oh, I don't want to talk about Diego Maradona, or, you know, or, to be honest, sometimes it just comes down to they wanted a lot of money. Um, and Chiro uh, was a Neapolitan. He was from there. He did the, the worst thing. He did end up at Juventus, which is not loved. But a lot of it is to do with we see who's around, and we see who, who I can meet and talk to, but we also see who shows up in the footage. And, and what I liked about Chiro was that he was in the material. Like when they win the UEFA Cup, he's the young kid um, who's there, who is hugging and cuddling. And he's the one who says, you know, no matter what happens, he, you know, Chiro actually, towards the end of the film, when, when Diego's been done for doping, he says, you know, I will always have that image. And he mentions Diego and Maradona almost as two separate people. I don't know if you clocked that. But, you know, that was like in the archive at the time. Um, and actually, in a longer version, he was the youth team player who was just put into the, the main kind of grown-up, mature, the, the squad, the year Diego arrived. So there was a version where you see that he was the young guy that just got into the team when this big hero comes and he couldn't believe he was playing with Maradona and they lived in the same building. So there was a lot of stuff that we talked about with him where like, he would go to bed because he's a sensible professional and he'd hear, and he'd hear Ferrari revving up at 3am and Maradona was off out for a good night out um, before a game or something. So there was all of these reasons why we kind of went with Chiro, but uh, we have to cut it down and down and down. And so he comes into the story a little bit later now. Okay, so just guy here at the back. Um, I know that you've made like uh, you know feature films and you directed a few episodes of Mindhunter and you know like I was just wondering are, are documentary films your favourite type of films or to make or is there maybe something else I don't know. No, I, I I I just like directing. You know, I don't really think of one kind of being above the other. I mean, I love shooting and being on location, which is where the drama side of it I love, and I I um. But I, I love the kind of, weirdly enough, there's a kind of interesting kind of control and random kind of like organicness about making these documentaries where, you know, fiction films, I spent years making them and writing scripts and the idea that you would just like say, to begin with, this is how it ends. Now go and read it, you know. And with these movies, it's like, you know what happened to Amy Winehouse, you know what happened to Ayrton Senna, you kind of know what happened to Maradona. What the films, the docs become about the journey and I find that quite interesting of, of being able to be quite flexible. Our, our crew is very small. Um, the way my producers set up the films, we have a lot of time to edit, to find the film. And I've, I've just been lucky in a way with the process. So I like doing fiction. And right now, having done a doc and having spent uh, three years on it, I don't want to do another doc right now. I want to go off and shoot something and probably write a script or do something like that. So I think it's just fun to try different things and try... Even though I've made three docs which are kind of similar, for me the process have been very different um, and they're, they're different challenges. I still make short films. If I, you know, if I have a gap or something comes along, I'll go off and make a short film. It's a guy here that's been waiting for a while, patiently. Uh, if you have a microphone, just, yeah, there you go. Uh, thank you very much. It, it, it was brilliant. And once again, the likes of Senna and Amy as well. You, you've chosen amazing characters to document and to, to make these stories about and they're amazing. Who's next? 
I don't know, you got any ideas, anyone? I mean, uh, I'm sure there's plenty, but surely you have somebody in mind right no, now. No, honestly, I don't. You're, you're I, a snooker player, thinking ahead, uh, and know who's coming. No, uh, uh, I, I, noticed, I noticed that you call it the third film of a trilogy. Yeah. Which is kind of, it feels quite final. Yeah, I know, but you know... You oh, don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Star Wars three is a magic line, number, so. isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know if I'm in the mood right now to do another biography, but my feeling right now is to do something about the political situation and what's going on in the world. And I feel like if I'm going to do something, that's what's bugging me right now. So it's something to do with that kind of issue, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. You, you must have somebody in mind. No, no, you don't know me. I like ramble through life. I don't have any, I have nobody in mind. I have a holiday in mind. <laughs> okay, we have time for one last question. This guy here has his hand up. Great film. Just as time goes on, do you think Maradona is more loved than hated, or does that depend on where you go? I think. Um, I think it's the kind of reaction that I get when I talk to people. It's like it's like it's a bit of an embarrassment. It's what people have said. Latter Maradona, you know what he's become. Even in Argentina, they say it very quietly, but they're like it's a bit of an embarrassment. You know, people people just. It's been like twenty years of him doing silly things that an old man shouldn't be doing, and kind of making a mess. And I guess what what I guess what I'm hoping the film will do is when people see it they'll see him in a different way and think about him in a different way. Because I mean, he was amazing, he was great when he was great. The things he did and the things he achieved are incredible. But, you know, he couldn't manage the pressure, he couldn't manage the fame. He didn't know what he was getting himself into, I think, when he went to Naples. Um, so I, with all of the films, what I hope to do is to kind of maybe change the general perception of these people for the audience after they've seen them. Okay, well, just a round of applause for Asif Kapadi. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm not leaving while I was talking to you. She came back. <laughs>